Welcome to the MetaChurch Podcast. My name's Clayton, I'm the pastor here at MetaChurch, and my hope is that today's podcast finds you at the perfect time in your life that God uses it to inspire and enlighten you. I hope that you enjoy today's message. While Jesus was on earth, he often taught in parables. A parable is a simple story with a significant meaning. In Matthew chapter 13, he told his disciples exactly how significant these parables were. He said that they teach us the secret of the kingdom of heaven. That means if we pay attention to the meaning of these simple stories, we can learn to live right here and right now in a way that builds the eternal kingdom of Jesus. My message today is bet the farm. The parables of Jesus are each so unique. They're unique because of the context that sets them up, and the parable of the rich fool is no exception. It's all about the context. In Luke chapter 12, before he even gets to the simple story with a significant meaning, he first has a prompt, which leads him to a proverb, and finally into his parable. When Jesus was on earth, he would speak in front of large crowds all the time, and often people would call out questions that they had for him. And In this passage particularly though, there's something a little bit off about it. In Luke 12, 13, it says, someone from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now you'll notice something about this question and that's that it doesn't have a question mark at the end of it. He was actually making a demand of Jesus, which meant he didn't want any advice. He already assumed that he was in the right and there were two major problems with this. The first is that Jesus was focused on addressing spiritual, eternal issues, and he was asking about a very material, temporary issue. We see Jesus' first response in verse 14. Friend, Jesus said to him, who appointed me as a judge or arbitrator over you? Jesus is like, you've come to the wrong place. The courthouse is right down the road. I'm here for a different purpose. But that wasn't the main issue. The main issue is that the demand that was made actually exposed the motivation of the man's heart. In verse 15, Jesus then told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. You'll notice Jesus doesn't actually just respond to the man, he tells them, he leverages this moment to teach everyone in attendance a valuable lesson. And he says to be on your guard. It's like a a military call to assume the fighting position, to be ready to protect yourself with all that you have. And so what is this that's coming against someone that requires them to be on like code red, high alert? It's greed. Now, maybe you're thinking that greed isn't an issue in your life because Really, greed is like a wealthy people problem. You have to have some money to be greedy in the first place. You think of greed, you think of Scrooge McDuck, you know, diving into his ocean of coins. That's simply a misunderstanding of what greed means. In the original account of Luke's gospel, which was written in Greek, the word that Jesus used is better described in a word picture. It paints the image of someone who is reaching and reaching and reaching and yet can never get the object of their desire. Like a good proverb, this has a because. Be on guard against greed because 
One's life is not found in the abundance of their possession. This is a statement of identity, which means if you're overcome with greed, not only will you spend your life painstakingly reaching and reaching and reaching and never being fulfilled, but you will also have a skewed perception of who you are at the most fundamental level. The stakes are high. Jesus highlights it with a proverb, and then he helps us understand it by telling us a parable. What's interesting about this parable is the man is already rich. He's responsible, he's hardworking, and now he's just had a bumper crop. He says, I don't have anywhere to store my crops, which isn't technically true. As we find out in the very next verse, he already has barns. The complication isn't in his normal produce. The complication is born out of excess. Now, Jesus is speaking 2,000 years ago and a part of the world where virtually everyone was impoverished. They were living day to day, hand to mouth. They could intellectually understand the idea of someone having so much excess that it created a problem, but they were far from living in that reality. While this guy was thriving to the point of complication, they were just trying to survive. Which means that this parable might actually have more application today in the West in the 21st century, where almost everyone is living with excess. You know, houses have grown year by year, larger and larger. The average square foot of a residential home is significantly bigger than it was even 10 years ago. And you might not be surprised to learn that the majority of that growth has come in two parts of a house, the closets and the pantries. We have so much stuff that at one point, 40 or 50 years ago, just having a one-car garage was kind of a luxury. Now we almost require a three-car garage and we don't even park our vehicles in them. That's just where the overflow of all of our stuff that doesn't fit in our closets go. And Chances are that most of us also own one or two storage units to hold the things we can't keep on our main property. We don't just have enough, we have more than enough. The farmer has a very 21st century problem and he comes up with a very 21st century solution. In verse 18, he says, I will do this. I'll tear down my current barns and build bigger ones and store away all of my grains and my goods there. Now remember, the point of the parable is about greed. It's not necessarily wrong that he has barns, that he is a wealthy person. It's about his intention when God brings him a blessing. We learn that greed keeps us reaching and reaching and reaching for the things that we desire things of this world that we want and can never actually hold on to. Greed makes you desire more and more is a moving target, which means the closer you get to it, the further away it becomes. And that's not the only thing that greed does. While we're reaching and reaching and reaching, it also causes us to take our eyes off of who we actually are and who we were created to be. Greed gives us a distorted view of our identity. This was the intended outcome of the bigger barns. In verse 19, then I'll say to myself, 
You have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. What is the identity distortion going on in the rich farmer's mind? He'd spent his life as hardworking, as industrious, wise with his resources, and active in his land. Now, all of a sudden, he's taking on this ultimate hedonistic lifestyle, a lifestyle of ease and retirement. Notice the thoughts that never crossed his mind. This is what greed does to us. Instead of thinking about his family, his identity as a, a father, as a child, how he could take care of his parents, how he could leave behind a legacy. Instead of understanding his identity as a member of his community, a community where many people were going without, and now he has an excess that he could offer to them. Instead of thinking about his ultimate identity as a child of God and how he could use what he's been blessed with to bless others, he instead only thinks about himself. What can he do to get more and more and more? Reaching out causes us to deceive ourselves. And God cements that with the very next verse. In verse 20, God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? There's an exercise that I've taught for a long time and I try to practice it in my own life. It's a little bit morbid, but it's incredibly helpful. I just call it the funeral exercise. The truth is, all of us have an expiration date. All of us will die. The funeral exercise is to think about the end of your life. What will be said about you at your funeral? What will people have thought about how you use who you are and what you have to make a better world around you? For those who know that you're a follower of Jesus, will they really be able to say that you lived your life as a part of the kingdom of heaven? The farmer had done a lot of things right. He had tilled the field, he had planted the seeds, he watered his crops, but he forgets that only God brings the harvest, that everything we have in this life is a gift from God. Ultimately, he was shown to be deceived, and it all stemmed from greed. You see, we live often as the rich farmer the one who is called by God, the rich fool. We live focused on getting more and more. And so we are reaching and reaching, thinking that we will be satisfied when we finally have enough, when the truth is there will never be enough. We think that we can be generous once we finally have enough money. But when the promotion comes, when the raise comes, if all you want is more, you're reaching and you're reaching, you will find bigger barns to put that money in and none of it will be put into the kingdom of heaven. We're reaching and reaching for status and power, but the more status we get, the more we wanna keep climbing that ladder. We continue to live in a hookup culture where we're giving ourselves and giving our bodies away, thinking that we just want one more connection. And yet you know that when that connection comes, it will leave you reaching and reaching for more. Greed keeps us reaching and it distorts our identity. We live as the rich fool, a culture of excess that just causes complication. And we don't know how to live our life because greed has kept us from knowing 
who we are. The rich farmer was basically shocked out of his greed when God reminded him that all of our lives are finite. And in fact, his life would be demanded of him that night. Jesus chose his words very carefully. His life being demanded of him was actually financial language. It's the language a banker would use to call in a debt, to settle an account. And the point is very clear that your life is on loan that we were meant to use our lives investing in this world to build the kingdom of heaven right here during our time on the earth. And greed will rob you of the ability to find the thing your soul is actually longing for, the purpose that you were created with, a life of impact and significance, purpose and power. Greed will keep you reaching and reaching. The parable started with a proverb, and the proverb was about how greed distorts our view of our identity. If you want to know how to live your life and manage your blessings, you have to know who you are. You are a child of God, and only in the cemented foundation of that identity can you really pursue a life that is filled with blessing. With greed, we are always reaching and reaching for more and more. And with God, we have someone who reached out to save us. And greed, we are always going deeper and deeper in insecurity with God, our Father in heaven. We have ultimate security both in this life and in the life beyond. With greed, we lose sight of our identity and in God we find the source of an identity that can sustain us through this life and beyond. In verse 21, Jesus says, that's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. In the West, in the 21st century, we are basically all rich compared to almost everyone who has lived in all of human history and compared to most people in the undeveloped parts of this world. But just because you are rich does not mean you are wealthy. Wealth requires knowing who you are and being able to exercise generosity. You're not wealthy if you cannot give away what you have. We've gotten to shoot this sermon at a family's property that is really near and dear to my heart, and they've been blessed, and they know that. However, they did not buy this property to build bigger and bigger barns. They didn't buy it for their own status or power or just to get more and more rich in this life. They bought this to be generous. They're not building bigger barns. In fact, they're converting their barns into different residential pieces that people can come here to what they're calling the legacy ranch a ranch that will make an impact in the world where people can come and find peace and connect with God. It's something that can be handed down, not just to the generations of their family, but can bring other families in, people who are in need, who can find a place to finally let go of the distractions of this world and connect and find their identity in God. Generosity is the antidote to greed. If we want to get rid of greed that is robbing you of the life that you're supposed to live, that is keeping you reaching and reaching and only ending up emptier and emptier, 
You have to know who you are and you have to surrender what you have. That's what generosity means. When the rich man had a bumper crop, he never considered the needs of others. He never considered how to use his blessing to give back to God. We have all been blessed. And the question is, are we ready to surrender what we have? Have you found your security in who you actually are, not the person greed has convinced you you are? Are you ready to quit living to build your own kingdom, reaching and reaching for more and more? Are you ready to lay down what you have and surrender it to Jesus as we seek to build the kingdom of heaven right here on earth? Jesus concluded this entire passage about greed, identity, and generosity in verse 34. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Thanks so much for listening to the message today. If this was helpful to you and you wanna help us get the word out, you can subscribe to this podcast. You can rate and review or share it with your friends. If you wanna get connected further with what MetaChurch is doing, you can go online to metachurch.tv. There you can learn how to take next steps. You can learn where our different venues are at if you ever wanted to visit. And you can also give financially to help push this movement forward. Man, I love you guys, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.